Well, if you'd uh, like to be finding your seats, that would be wonderful. We will have a chance to catch up after the meeting. We're serving tea and coffee, so please do stick around and, uh, and chat. It's really great to see so many here. Um, I want to wish you a very happy Easter. Uh, so good to celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. And, uh, you know, whether you're here in person or whether you're online, um, it's good to be together this morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church. And, uh, of course, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection every time that we gather together. But this is a very special time to be with the church today. And some of you might be thinking, well, Easter Sunday, this is a great time for Mark to depart from Ephesians, um, which I've been preaching in for quite some time now. Um, well, you know what? I did my best, but as I was preparing, I thought, you know what? I keep getting drawn back to a passage in Ephesians chapter 1. So we're actually going to read that. Sorry about that. I will be referring to other parts of the Bible. Um, <laughs> we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, just three verses, four verses, 18 through 21, uh, which says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's evoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. All right. Now, before we carry on, I have a question. Who here considers themselves to be fairly strong? And I'm looking really for kind of elementary, maybe middle school age here. Who considers themselves to be fairly strong? I'm going to need at least two, but maybe four people to come and show me their strength. So I can't see everyone there, but if you, now what you're gonna have to do, I'll give you a clue, you're gonna, you're gonna be using five pound weights, okay? So, just so you know, if you feel you're fairly strong, are you gonna come up, are you coming up there? No. Okay, I need four people. Come on up to the stage if you think. We can have female as well, male or female. We've got one, two, three. Anyone? Anyone else? One more space? Any girls? I've got to have at least one girl. I'm going to extend the age if you want to go a bit older. <laughs> All right, we're just doing three then. Okay, no one else? Last chance. There's chocolate in it for you. <laughs> Well, there's space for one more. That's five pounds of weight. Okay. There you go. Hold that. Hold that. You don't have to do anything yet. All right. Oh, we've got one. We've got one. When I was young, I used to watch the world's strongest man on TV. I don't know if you have that here. Do you have that show here? The world's strongest man. Don't waste your energy yet. Um, <laughs> you're going to need it. Uh, the world's strongest man was on TV. And this, was, uh, this is a competition we're going to see who is Christ Central's strongest kid. All right. I'll show you what you've got to do. Okay? It's just go this is one of the... Comp this is I'm just going to borrow. This is one of the actual events that they had on The World's Strongest Man. But the weights were a little heavier. A little 
it's, you have to hold your arm out. Like, don't do it yet, you'll, you'll regret it. Um, <laughs> you've got to hold your arm out as long as you can. It's got to be straight, okay? It's got to be straight. If it starts to go like that, once it goes beyond this, you're out, okay? You've got to be straight. See how long you can do it for. Okay, that's yours. Now, you might need to space out a bit. So, are you left-handed? Um, Which hand are you going to hold it in? Right. You're right-handed. Okay, you stand here on the edge, and you can go that way. And then the rest of you, make sure you've got some space. And you're left-handed. You might want to go on that end, then. Okay, and you can come in center. Okay, so after three, you're going to hold it out to the side, and you're going to hold it as long as you can. Okay, three, two, one, go. All right, and we'll see who can hold that the longest. It's not easy. It's not all that easy. <laughs> oh, that's one gun. Oh, 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 oh. I like the lean. I like the lean. Caleb, I think we've gone. Oh, oh, oh. Who's going to do it? I think it could be. I think it's going to be. <laughs> okay, I think we have a winner. I think we have a winner. Great job. Tell you what, you all did great. You can switch for these. These were left over. I tell you what, Finn, you can have an extra jelly beans. I'll take those back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done, Caleb. I'll take that. Thank you. Okay, we have found out who Christ Central's strongest kid is. 2023. Come next Easter for 2024's episode. I start training. It's pretty tough. <laughs> I used to love watching the world's strongest man as a, as a kid because mainly because actually there was this guy Jeff Capes if you're English, you might remember, and my age. He won it quite a few times, and I was like, go, Jeff. He was a tough guy. Actually, a Canadian did pretty well as well, uh, called Tom McGee. He came second. He's ne Canadians never won it. They used to do all sorts of crazy events, sometimes pulling trucks with their teeth um, and uh, throwing big weights over barriers. They had um, Atlas stones. I think I've got a picture of the Atlas stones. Um, that this is where you have to huge big stones and you have to lift these big stones and put them on plinths um, and uh, it was impressive and it was fun and in my mind this atlas stones thing was the kind of epitome of power and strength you know getting these things up but but Paul here in this passage is talking about even greater power and strength than that. He's talking about the power of God. He's actually praying that those who are reading his message, hearing his message, will experience this power of God working in our lives, in their lives. Now, of course, we can imagine that God has great power. I mean, never mind picking up Atlas stones. He put planets into place. He put, uh, he shaped the world, he put mountains in their place and seas and oceans and valleys and waterfalls and everything there. But Paul isn't even talking about that in this passage. He's not talking about God's great power being shown in creation. He's talking about his mighty strength, which was exerted when he raised Christ Jesus 
from the dead and later had him ascend into heaven so that he's now seated above all rule and power and authorities. It's the events of Easter Sunday that were the greatest display of power that the world has ever seen. And Paul says this power is incomparable. It can't be compared to anything else. It can't be compared to anything else. And it's also for us in our lives. It's power that has already happened. It's not just potential power. Now, I've lifted some weights on occasions in my life. We have even picture evidence, because a few years ago, Tough Talk came, uh, and they did some powerlifting, and uh, a few of us got a chance to have a go. And so I've got a picture of uh, a few of us there um, with some weights. This was back in 2016. Um, now, I think, now to me, actually, Gary looks to be struggling there. I, I honestly, I looked at that and I'm like, he's, he's struggling. I don't, th I, I don't think Joe got it off the ground, if my memory serves me correct. I'm looking pretty comfortable, though, you've got to say. I'm like, I could stand there all day. <laughs> They're all the same way. <laughs> now, some of us here, many of us here will know Byron. And I think he's the powerlifting champion of Fredericton right now. Now we've got a picture of Byron. Uh, just look at Byron. Look at that. Whew. Look at that. Now, here's a question. Could I lift the same weight as Byron can? Is it... Hang on. I think you misheard the question. I didn't ask, could Joe? I asked, could... <laughs> I asked, could I? <laughs> now, to be honest, you know, if I put the work in, if I had a good diet, if I trained and built myself up to it, I don't know. I think there's potential. I think there's potential that I could do that. Now, am I ever going to? Am I going to? No, there's the answer. No, it's not going to happen. I have the potential. It's pretty unlikely. Um, we can often think God, we can often think God's got the potential to do something in our lives. Well, of course, God can. Of course, God can do something in my life, but to be honest, if we think of, when we think about that, maybe in the back of our mind we think, but I, I'm not sure he's going to. We think, oh, God is power, God's powerful. God can do all sorts. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure he's going to do something in my life. We often hear people praying for healing, and I've actually heard people pray for healing for someone and say, God, we know you can do this. Well, yes, God can do it. Sometimes we're like, well, is he going to do it? We don't know. Do we have faith that God's going to do it in us? I don't know. Not so sure. God's got the potential to do it. We think of God in those terms sometimes, God's potential power. But the truth is that God has already shown us the greatness of his power. He's shown us the fullness of his power. His mighty strength got exerted 2,000 years ago, and it was the power to defeat the greatest enemy we will ever face. The power to defeat death. You see, death is going to come to all of us. As Emma was explaining on Friday, death came into the world because of sin. It was never meant to be like this. There wasn't supposed to be sickness. There wasn't supposed to be pain and death. But sin came into the world and 
We're born and we all know that the only certainty in our life is that we are going to die. The truth is that in the year 2140 and probably way before that, everyone in this room will be dead by 2140. Everyone in this room will have died. So death is our greatest enemy. Nations fight other nations over land. Individuals often have enemies. All sorts of battles go on. They can consume our thoughts. But the greatest enemy over all of us is death. And none of us have the power to defeat it. People have tried, and they continue to try. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, recently founded a company called Altos Labs. And he hired some top scientists. And his, the remit of this, these scientists in Altos Labs was to halt the aging process. His stated aim is ultimately to defeat death. He spent a fortune on it. It's continuing even today. Peter Thiel, the PayPal co-founder, also has pledged to defeat death. In an interview with the Telegraph newspaper, he said, basically, I'm against it. Good to know, Peter. <laughs> in fact, history is littered with people who have tried to defeat death in one way or another. And no one has ever succeeded in overcoming it apart from one, Jesus Christ. It's the greatest display of strength and power that the world has ever seen. And how did he do it? How did Jesus manage to overcome death? by dying on a cross, by actually experiencing death himself. Jesus was beaten, whipped, crown of thorns forced on his head. He had nails hammered into his hands and his feet. He was held out on the cross, his body sagging, stretching him, causing him to suffocate. And eventually, it was coming to the Friday evening at the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath and the soldiers would come round because they needed to get the people off the cross at that point, but they needed to make sure they were dead. So often they would break the legs of the people who were on the cross so that they would suffocate straight away. Um, but there was no need to do that with Jesus because he was already dead at that point. A spear was put into his side, blood and water came out. Another sign actually, a medical sign that death has occurred. And Jesus was taken off the cross and he was wrapped in burial linen and placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and the stone was rolled in front of the tomb, and it seemed like it was the end for Jesus. It seemed like it was the end, like the lives of everyone who'd gone before him and died in so many and varied ways. Certainly didn't look as though there was a lot of power going on there. Jesus died in weakness, in weakness. But actually, there was something else going on. There were clues, even on that day. As Emma read the passage, we were singing about it even this morning. Uh, Matthew 27, when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs at Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city, appeared to many people. 
And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. I was chatting with Tim Bicknell over about this passage the other day and he said uh, the centurion and the other guards would have been hardened by their job. Nothing would have shaken them. It's just another run-of-the-mill crucifixion for them and yet they were terrified by the power of God on display at the death of Jesus. They were convinced he's the son of God. He's the son of God. He looked weak and helpless, but yet the power of God was at work. The power to defeat death. And we see it because dead people are raised to life at that very moment of Jesus' death. It shows he's defeated it. He's defeated it. He's won the victory on the cross. He's taken on board himself the sins of the whole world, everything that caused the curse of death to come into the world, going back right to Adam and Eve, all of that that's been going on and on and on ever since. At that moment, that power that death had was broken and the tomb split open and people were raised to life even at that time. But Jesus' disciples didn't see it. They didn't see the display of power at Jesus' crucifixion because Mark's gospel tells us they'd all forsaken him. They'd all fled. God's power was at work, but his followers were still weak and they were still afraid. And we read what happens on the Saturday. What do we read about happening on, on Easter Saturday? Nothing. Nothing. There are no reports of Jesus' disciples going to the tomb and praying that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Oh, he, he said he would be raised from the dead. Let's go. Let's go and stand by the tomb. Let's go and pray. We don't see anything. We don't hear any of that. Their faith had disappeared. Only a short while before Jesus was crucified, a friend of Jesus' had actually died, Lazarus. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, very close to Jesus. And Lazarus was very sick, so Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus telling him, but Jesus waited. He waited actually until Lazarus was dead. And then when he arrived in Bethany, the place that he was living, actually Lazarus had been dead for four days. And before he went and stood outside the tomb, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he says to Martha, do you believe this? I mean, Jesus is basically going to someone who is grieving, a friend who is grieving the loss of her brother, and he's basically turning the whole conversation around to be about himself. I mean, talk about insensitive. He's turning the whole thing to be about himself because it is about him. It is about him. Jesus himself is grieving. He's weeping at the tomb. People are confused. They say, they say, this man opened the eyes of the blind. Couldn't he have stopped him from dying? In other words, can't Jesus defeat death? He heals people. He opens eyes of the blind. He makes lame people walk. He, he, the deaf hear, but he can't stop someone from dying. 
We can't defeat death. But Jesus, in his words, is highlighting to Martha that he can and he will. And he goes to the tomb and he prays and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of the people who are standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. Come out. And Lazarus emerges from the tomb. Jesus could speak life and life would come. Jesus had faith that God the Father would hear his prayer and revive Lazarus. But there wasn't any such faith on evidence with Jesus on Easter Saturday after Jesus was held in the tomb. There was no prayer meeting held calling on God to raise Jesus from the dead. In fact, you get a, a feel of the mood of the disciples when you, you get the account of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now, they're actually walking with Jesus. They didn't even realize it at the time, but they were talking about Jesus, and they were saying, oh, he was a prophet, powerful in world indeed. Um, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped, but not now, not now. It's over, it's done. None of them are praying, none of them are hoping, but the Father resurrects Jesus anyway. He does it anyway. The only prayers God the Father's answering at that point are the prayers of Jesus himself. And we can sometimes think that for things to work out in our life, it's all down to us to get it right. It's all down to us to have enough faith to, 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 to just make sure that we believe enough or, or, or we do something to make it happen. And yes, God does want us to pray to him and he does answer prayers. But the truth is we can't thwart God's plans and his purposes by our lack of faith. We can't stop what God wants to do by our lack of faith or our prayerlessness. Otherwise, actually, that it becomes all about us. It's all about us. It's all about how good we are. It's, how, it's all about how much faith we've got. And that's not what it's about. God wants it to be all about him. It's all about him. The Father's plan was to reveal, to raise Jesus from the dead by his mighty power. And in doing so, defeat the power of death. And it was all done without any help from any of us. Any of us. We were powerless. He is all-powerful all of the time. God doesn't need our prayer help. He chooses to graciously involve us in his plans and his purposes through prayer and actions. We, we are to pray. We are to serve him. We are to do things. But let's get it clear. He doesn't become more powerful when people are praying or because of who might be praying. We don't need to help recharge God's batteries. He doesn't owe us anything because we've prayed. God is sovereign. He's almighty all of the time. And so Jesus was raised from the dead. And he went around and he appeared to different people. First to the women who went to the tomb, then to the twelve, then to hundreds of others. And this was the same Jesus, but different. He was crucified in weakness and vulnerability. But he was raised in power. He's different. You don't find Jesus staggering around, wounded, to be cared for by the disciples. 
Oh, he's, you're injured. You know, when we heard about the, him appearing to Thomas. Thomas, Thomas doesn't say, my Lord and my God, you look terrible. Let, <laughs> let, me, let me help you. You need to lie down for a while, Jesus. He doesn't do that. This was Jesus resurrected in power. Paul in Romans 1, verse 4, describes Jesus as being appointed Son of God in power by the resurrection of the dead, his resurrection from the dead. He's the Son of God in power. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's fully ruling and reigning over the entire universe. So what does this have to do with us? Well, this power... The greatest power that's ever been known throughout all of history. The power that raised Jesus from the dead and defeated death itself. This power is at work in us. It's at work in you. It's at work in me. And you might say, come on, come on. Don't talk such foolishness. And, and Paul knows that we're likely to think that because his prayer here in this letter to the Ephesians is that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he's called us. And we may know the riches of his inglorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He's saying, I pray you might know it. It's there. It's for you. And the truth is that power has been working in us from the moment we believed. Because up until the moment we believed, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Our bodies may not have fully died yet, but that's the road we were on, and we were dead people walking. There was no hope. There was no escape. We were going to follow the same route as every single person before us. No hope. Our fate was sealed. We were objects of God's wrath. Yet, the moment we believed, God imparted faith to us. And we grasped it. And we comprehended God's love for us. And we didn't have to be smart. We didn't have to be intellectual to understand it. Some of the cleverest minds in the world have never seen it, never had it revealed to us. But the moment of belief was when the power of God came into your life. That's when the power of God came into your life. You became a new creation. You were dead, but you were raised to new life in Christ. Wasn't because of anything you'd done. Wasn't because you'd prayed a prayer. Wasn't because you'd read a book. Wasn't because you'd watched a YouTube video or a TikTok video. Wasn't because you came and stood at the front of a meeting. It was because the greatest power that had ever been known, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, came into your life. That was what happened. And when we came to faith, we were made alive with Christ. We were raised up with him. We were seated with him at the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. We've been raised to new life. And, and when Jesus returns, we'll be fully raised with him. We'll be given new bodies. But even now, in some ways, even now we are seated with Christ. We're in Christ. We are a resurrected people. That's who we are. We are a resurrected people, and God is at work in your life on a daily basis. It's not just a one-off moment. It's not just a, oh, maybe God will do something, and, and, and the rest of the time we're left to get on with it ourselves. God is sustaining the universe all of the time, and he's sustaining and working in your life day by day, 
all of the time. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 that he is confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it about to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We'll carry it on to completion. God is carrying it on to completion day by day by day. He's working in your life. And Paul's praying that we're going to see it because so much of the time all we see in ourselves is weakness. All we see is, is our, our failings the things that we're struggling with, perhaps our sinful habits, perhaps the things that we're trying to shake off. Perhaps we just see our health difficulties. Perhaps we just feel under spiritual attack the whole time. Perhaps you share your faith with others and, and all you get back is hostility. These things are all real. They're all real. But so is the power of God, which is at work in you. As we get discouraged in our life, as we, as we find things difficult, Often other people who don't know Jesus, often they will say to us, oh, do you know what? You've just got to be yourself. Just, just find out who you are. Be truly yourself. Find some inner strength inside you. You, you know, you're truly amazing inside of yourself. And you, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to change these things. I'm going to... And actually, deep inside, you feel hopeless. It all rings hollow. Because... You, Deep inside, you know you're not. You know you're not. You're not amazing. Y you don't feel you have any inner strength of your own. We won't find strength in ourselves. We won't. We'll only find it in God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the resurrection power as he resurrects us. Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, we were under great pressure. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. But this happens so we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. You know, you're never going to feel powerful. Even as a believer, you're never going to feel powerful. Sometimes you're going to feel like you've received the sentence of death from God. The way that Jesus encountered God's power was through weakness, through vulnerability, through hardship, struggle, sweating blood, ultimately through death. And the way we encounter God's power is very similar, through feeling that everything's falling apart in our lives, through struggles and battles, through sickness, through mental anguish, through thorns in our flesh like Paul describes having, that he prayed a number of times to be taken away. But he said he came to learn from God that his power, God's power was made perfect in weakness and his grace is sufficient. That's what Paul came to learn. That's what we come to learn. God's power is made known when we're at the end of ourselves. And when we've run the race and fought the fight and we stand before God and we enter into the glory that he's won for us, we won't have endured because of anything that we have done, anything that we had inside ourselves. We'll know it was God's power who sustained me. 
day by day by day, it was God's power. He was working in us all the time, helping us to be patient, helping us to overcome our pain and suffering, helping us to be a good husband, a good wife, helping us to honor our mom and dad, helping us to love our enemies, helping to, to forgive those who have hurt us, helping us to trust that he'll be with us tomorrow and it will work out and we will be provided for. That's how we find the power of God in our lives day by day. And you know what? As a resurrected people, we can be the hope for the world as the body of Christ here on earth. We have a message for the nations. Jesus is alive today. The Father promised Jesus. He said, I'm going to give you the nations as an inheritance. That's what I'm going to give you. That's what you have in front of you. I'm going to give you the nations. And despite everything that we face in our lives, we can be witnesses to his life and his power to the nations. We can go. We can plant churches. We can tell people of the good news of forgiveness. We can tell people of Jesus' resurrection power. And we don't do it because we are somehow stronger than anyone else or, or more resilient than anyone else. We do it because we have the power of God living in us and working through us in our weakness. This Easter Sunday, we declare a message of hope. Hope for the world, but hope for us too. It's a message of hope for you in your struggles because God's incomparably great power is at work in you who believe. And I pray that we will have our eyes open to it today the eyes of our heart opened, that we might believe it, that we might display it to a world that is in such desperate need of the hope that Christ brings. Let's pray together, shall we? I'm just going to pray. I'll invite the band to come back up. You know, you may be here today, as we've said earlier, and you might have never known that power. You might have never come to a belief in Jesus. And when you don't have to drum it up yourself, Jesus is here today by his Holy Spirit. And I believe he's working in people's hearts even today. That you are coming to a point where you think, do you know what? I know this is true. I know this is true. This rings true. I believe it. You can receive Christ into your heart today. You can know that resurrection power in your life. I'm just going to pray for you right now. And I'm not going to ask anyone to come forward or do anything because it's, it's about God and you. But Father God, if you're working, as you're working in people's lives even now, I pray hearts would receive you today. I pray you would bring the dead to life. Where people are walking in death, I pray you would bring your resurrection power and life would come. New life, new creation, new hope, new faith. Raise people to life even today, we pray, Jesus. 
And Father God, I pray that we would know your power at work in us. I pray we would know it. Not that suddenly we feel superhuman. Not that we feel we've got any more strength, Lord, but that we know you are at work in us, in and through our weaknesses, just as you were at work in Jesus through his. We come together and we know our vulnerability and our weakness. But, oh God, we know your grace is sufficient. And you will bring about to completion what you have begun until the day of Christ Jesus. Give us fresh hope today, we pray. Fresh faith in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.